on episode 575 of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we meet Gabrielle O'Hare and discuss her book, Why Women Over 40 Can't Lose Weight. You can find the full show notes for this episode at 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 575. Have you decided you're ready to make a change? To reclaim your health and fitness, the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is here for you. Each week, we dive deep into health and fitness topics that affect those of us over 40. I'm Coach Allen. I'm an NASM certified personal trainer with specializations in corrective exercise, behavior change, performance enhancement, and fitness nutrition. A Precision Nutrition Level 1 coach, a FAI certified functional aging specialist, and an OTA Level 2 online trainer. Each week, I'm joined by our co-host, Coach Rachel. She is an NASM certified personal trainer and a RRCA Level 1 run coach. Let us be your coaches as you find your way on your health and fitness journey. All right, let's go. Do you get a little overwhelmed by all the fitness information, tactics, and jargon? Do you wonder if the things you see on social media are fads and fiction? Are you having a hard time knowing how to start and what to do? I know how it is. I used to be just like you, lost and learning the hard way that what I did back in my 20s and 30s was not going to get me there now. I needed clarity and an understanding of what to do, when to do it, and most importantly, how to do it. How about you? I'm planning a week-long program to cover all of this. The 40 Plus Fitness Retreat. It runs from May 29th to June 2nd, 2023. And best of all, I'm hosting it in Bocas del Toro, Panama. During the 40 Plus Fitness Retreat, you'll develop a training strategy and a program to help you take your fitness to the next level. Whether you're a beginner trying to figure all of this out or a seasoned athlete looking to up your performance, I'll walk you step-by-step through a process that will give you your what, when, and how. There will be limited spots available, so I need you to do two things right now. Go to 40plusfitness.com forward slash retreat and join the interest list. Invites will go out to this list first, and if they take up all the spots, you'll miss your chance to join us. Second, mark your calendar because the trip from the U.S. or Canada typically takes two days each way, and there will be special things going on the weekend before and after the retreat that you don't want to miss. Go to 40plusfitness.com forward slash retreat and join the interest list today. I'm looking forward to hosting you in beautiful Bocas del Toro for the 40 Plus Fitness Retreat, May 29th through June 2nd. 40plusfitness.com forward slash retreat. Hey, Raz, how are you? Good, Alan. How are you today? My head hurts. Oh, no. <laughs> Why is that? Well, I had someone that was doing the audio processing for the show. They've done it forever, sort of forever, really. Yeah, since the beginning, but they sold their business to another business. And so it was the same people, you know, sort of supposed to be the same people. I think it was the same workers that were doing the work. Mm-hmm. And then they come around and they roll around and like, okay, we're going to have to raise your rate. And they raised it like 60%. Mm. And so I've been paying that, but it's very expensive all things considered, to do this, you know, to do the editing on this podcast. And they did a great job, don't get me wrong, but it was just a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, we had a problem, we had a communication problem. And so I was like, 
you know, I get all these emails from other companies that want my business. It says, maybe it's worth me having a conversation. And there was one company and I was really, you know, I liked the guy. I, the guy got, we got on the phone and the guy is sharp and he was, you know, aggressive and wanted to, really wanted my business. And so we had the conversation. I'm like, okay, I'll give this a shot. And maybe the first couple episodes, they did well. They did really well on. They were faster, they were cheaper, and they were doing good. I'm like, okay, this is good. And then they'd make a mistake. And it'd be a simple thing, like leaving out the author's bio. All the files are numbered. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a kid would know, okay, you don't skip file four. You just you don't <laughs> skip it. You don't skip file five, go from four to six. You just, you know, there's a file there. You put it in there. And then when you're proofing it, you're like, oh, there's no bio. He always has a bio, you know? And then I had one where I, I had a mid-roll ad and they put it at the end of the interview. Well, that's not where it's supposed to be. That's mm. not where I told him to put it. And so there was that. And then lately, there's just been some quality issues. And you guys have probably heard those things. I'm not happy about it, but it, you know, it is what it is. The low-cost provider, and I'm getting, I guess, what I paid for. Oh, geez. Um, so anyway, I decided, okay, I'm not going to go back to the expensive one because it's just way too much money. And I'm like, okay, I've tried this with GarageBand, which was free on my Mac. And before on my computer, I had everything set and I could actually edit a podcast pretty well. I have not been able to match those settings on my new computer, which is not new anymore. It's a year old. I can't get it to sound the same with Mm. my computer now. And I'm like, I don't know what the problem is, but I just couldn't use GarageBand, which just wasn't cutting it for me on the new computer. And I'm not sure why, but it is what it is. So I said, okay, I'll buy the more expensive software and then I'll just try to do it myself. But it's called Adobe Audition and it has all the bells and whistles. You, You know, you can do a lot with it. But it's much more complex. The Apple product, uh, GarageBand, is very intuitive, very easy to understand. I switched to that from Audible. Audible was a free software that I was using. Again, the quality wasn't as good. And then when I switched to GarageBand, it was really good. Then when I changed Mm -hmm. computers, I lost that. I'm like, okay, I've got to just continue to outsource all of them and not do any of them myself. Because sometimes I'll get behind in schedule. And I'm like, okay, I don't have time to send this to them. That's four days. I don't have time. I need to do it myself. And so everyone's mind knew I was going to be doing one myself and I couldn't do it. So now I'm, I'm trying to learn Audible and it's old dog, new trick kind of stuff. Uh, <laughs> I'm watching a YouTube video and then I'm trying to do it. And then I'm watching a YouTube video and trying to do it. So I only say that to say that, you know, the quality of my podcast, this podcast might be a little off, mm. has been off. It's going to probably be off for a few more weeks to like figure out the software and get my systems and processes going. But I'm going to work on it. And so, yeah, it's just one of those things where got a lot going on already. But yeah. I need to learn this software, get this done. Because quite literally, it takes me not a whole lot of time. And considering what I was paying them to do it, particularly the expensive company, mm-hmm. it's, it's worth my time to do it rather than, excuse me, hire that out. So it's just been one of those things where I've been sitting there this morning watching a YouTube video, doing a little bit of editing, watching a YouTube video, doing a little bit of editing, stop and start, stop and start. Oh my but gosh. I'm figuring it out. So just oh, give me good. a little bit of time. These will get better and better as I figure out what I'm doing wrong and that type of thing. So my gosh, well, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they say you need to be trying to learn new things all the time. That's true. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> it doesn't mean it's supposed to be fun, right? Oh my gosh. Well, good luck. How are things up there? Good, good. You know, over the weekend, I uh, helped my brother kind of move a couple of boxes. He shipped a pod over 
an eight by eight by eight pod storage unit that we unloaded and put into a more permanent storage unit until he can finally make his move cross country. And I was really worried about it, about, you know, lifting heavy boxes, heavy furniture, all the awkwardness of moving again. And, and I'm so happy to say that I feel great, that I am not sore. My back doesn't hurt. And my parents did okay with it as well because they were helping with a couple of their friends and it went a lot more smoothly than I had expected. I actually, I don't know why, but I expected to be in a lot more pain than I am. But well, it is, the, it is even with the weightlifting that you do. I do. Uh, it is a different movement pattern and you mm-hmm. do have to watch what you're doing because you're lifting something that's awkward and not necessarily, mm-hmm. you know, bars and dumbbells and kettlebells are all built <laughs> to be lifted. Yes. They're ergonomic, you know, mm-hmm. as, as much as they can be. But yeah, when you're trying to lift a, a big box that's oh, yeah. heavy, you have to be smart about it and do it the right way. And so mm-hmm. yeah. you probably learned a lot from lifting, but beyond mm-hmm. that, you were smart about what you we were, were doing. We were all being very careful and it was just in the forefront of my mind. <laughs> about lifting properly and just taking my time and it went really well. So I'll be ready for his next shipment. <laughs> I got to find it. people like you. I was like, I, I, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I'll help move. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are you ready to talk about weight loss? Sure. Our guest today was fired from her job a month before the COVID lockdowns. At 48, with no job and feeling like her life was being pulled from under her, she decided to fulfill a decade-long ambition and retrain as a personal trainer. When lockdown ended and gyms finally reopened, she was inundated with clients who were struggling with their weight, yet unable to stick to a diet. In the privacy of her garden gym, they shared their experiences with her. They didn't want killer physiques. They just wanted to regain control of their bodies and feel confident in their skin but they struggled to change their eating habits. Before long, she noticed a pattern emerging. The same blockers were getting in the way of all of her clients, and the concept for the book we're going to discuss today was born. Her own motivation comes from her goal to stay active and strong so she can embark on adventures with her partner and when her daughter grows up. Now 51, diet, sleep, exercise, and stress management had become non-negotiable priorities to give her constant, stable energy and the ability to concentrate and think clearly. With no further ado, here's Gabrielle O'Hare. Gabrielle, welcome to 40 Plus Fitness. Hello. Thank you very much for having me here. Now, the book is going to get any woman's attention if she's over 40 and wants to lose weight. And the name of the book is Why Women Over 40 Can't Lose Weight. Well, yes, but you also then give us a solution or at least some things that we can think about. Because the thing is, I read this and I'm a man, obviously, but I train a lot of women. I'm married to one. Mm -hmm. And so as I go through my life, I'm like, okay, this is real stuff. This is the real experience. I can be empathetic, but I can't experience Mm -hmm. it. And so I know that it's a struggle. And yeah, you're watching your husband and the two of you start eating the same thing. He Maybe he's even eating more. Yeah. <laughs> He's hitting the crisps and the cookies and all the other things. And he manages to be able to lose the weight and you're not. Yeah. That can be quite discouraging. Absolutely. And that discouragement, I don't mean this in a different way, but once you're discouraged, it's almost like digging out a, you know, kind of thing, isn't it? Absolutely. I think it can feel like a very lonely place to be. I think a lot of the the fitness industry is, uh, you know, a lot of the marketing materials 
focused on before and after photos and success stories. And you can feel like you're the only person failing or the only person who can't do it. And one of the things that I've noticed about women and, you know, men may well find this, but my work primarily is, is with women who were in the late forties. They sort of can be quite hard on themselves. They don't realize everyone's having the same problems. You tend to internalize things and blame yourself for being lazy, for having no motivation, for, I don't know, just being late, you know, just assume it's their own fault and it's a personal failing or it's a character failing. And they don't realize that so many other people share the same problems. So you just have this lonely battle where you're really giving yourself a hard time. As women reach this particular age group, for some women, it happens a little earlier than others. For some, it's a little bit later. And there's no rhyme or reason for it exactly. You can ask your mother when she started change and you might genetically kind of fall in the same line. But women can start towards menopause at any age. Sure. Menopause. But it's around this time. And so at this point, your body is changing And that's going to put some obstacles, if you will, in your way that you need to be able to think through and work through. And it's also a time when it's kind of hard to work through because there's so much else going on in your life. In the book, you mentioned um, six reasons. And I I wrote in my notes, impossible to stick to a diet, but I think you're going to find it's not impossible if you approach this the right way. But what are six reasons that women really struggle with their diet? Because I think once they hear this, they're going to realize, that's me. That's me. She's talking about me. (laughs) A big one is self-neglect. And that's not an intentional problem. You know, don't people, uh, women aren't ignoring themselves. But what happens over the years is you have children, you get married, you advance on your career, your parents can get older. There can be so many things that are vying for your attention. And women quite often want to be the givers and the carers. They're very focused on, they want to do things for the people, the people pleasers. They don't want to say no. And that can all start to, over, over the years, just become a really big list of priorities and a big demands on the time. And, you know, women have it all these days. We run families, we manage relationships, we run children's, we have successful careers. We've got to cut some corners somewhere because we haven't got time to fit everything in. And it tends to be that we leave ourselves and our own needs to the end. And that's why I wanted to call that self-neglect because we've become so focused. And this is a gradual thing, but we've become so focused on looking after others. We put ourselves last and it's not uncommon for women to get up, make the breakfast, grab something quick themselves, not have time to eat lunch properly and find that they're just grabbing snacks and end up ravenous in the evening. And, you know, they just are running on empty all the time. And that's just leading them to make, you know, not, I won't say bad choices because you're just where you are, but you're making choices that aren't great for your health and great for your weight because you're just having to grab what you can when you can. So self-neglect is one of the main ones. And that really is, you know, just comes from the circumstance of having really busy lives and being more prioritized and focused on other people. Stress is a generic one that affects everybody, really. Again, it's a gradual build over time. Your lives get busier. And menopause, some people may or may not realize this, but menopause can make it harder for you to cope with and manage stress. So you can become more stressed at this time of your life. Work can become quite stressful. Women get a lot discriminated against as they get older or really feel the pressure that they're not as young and as attractive as some of the counterparts. So there's a lot of things that can build up the levels of stress that you're experiencing. But we know that when you're stressed, 
it increases your body fat and particularly the fat around the middle. It can affect your sleep. It can affect your food choices if people, you know, eat to cope with stress, emotional eating. So there's there's a number of ways that stress can then affect your diet and therefore your weight loss. Menopause, you, you touched on, you know, and there are hormone, hormonal changes that are taking place. One of them is that the another source of estrogen for your body as your own at years of ovaries stop producing it is fat cells. So if your body can start to lay down more fat because it can provide you with a weak source of estrogen that it needs, you know, estrogen isn't just for making babies or having periods. It has many, many other functions in your body. So you still need it beyond that time. And another bit more scientific, I'll try and simplify it, but another way that you can create estrogen in your body is via your adrenal glands. So your adrenal glands have got two functions. They can produce your stress hormones and they can also produce your estrogen or a source of estrogen for your body. But if you're stressed all the time, it defaults to the stress hormones, which are its default position. So it's going to fall short on topping up your estrogen which then can lead back onto that cycle to the fast accumulation, particularly around your waist. So that's really what's going on with menopause. Over time, this one's going to be familiar. We live in a society where we don't eat because we're hungry. You know, we eat to cope with feeling lonely, to cope with anxiety, because we're upset, because it's there. And those can become very invisible habits that we don't notice that are topping up our calorie supplies all day long. And then Another one is sabotage. You mentioned at the beginning about the husband at home eating the crisps and the kids can want pizza. Your mother-in-law can want to feed you her cake. Your colleagues can put you under a lot of pressure to eat the things that they've brought in. And I found as I sort of trained more and more women that people, that was had a huge impact on weight. And sometimes it can be well-meaning, you know, someone has brought something in for a birthday at work and they want you to partake in it. But other times your friends and your families can deliberately sabotage you because they worry how you may see them if you're losing weight or you're improving your health and they're not, it shows them up in a, in a negative light. So that can be a tricky thing for people to deal with. And then the last one is the fact that we are so heavily targeted by the food industry by advertising for retailers, for fast food outlets, for apps, for junk food. We just do not realize how bombarded we are by messages that are persuading us to fill our trolleys, our cupboards with those sort of foods. And that has a big impact. You know, I've seen some data that suggests that in some supermarkets, more than 90% of the food on the shelves is highly processed. And, you know, the more we're surrounded by the more of it we eat. So there, there's a bigger issue going on there when you think about these six factors that are really going to give us lots of opportunity to eat the wrong things and eat more than we need. Yeah, and I think it's easy to see where that multiple challenges in there. And I think the much the only one I'd say that that men don't have to deal with is the menopause, but we also menopause. Absolutely. And when you start putting yeah. extra fat, then you are creating extra estrogen. And then that's what creates moves and everything else that, that men deal with as we age and, and why we need to be fit and healthy ourselves. You started out this whole, because I want to shift, because this is not all bad news. <laughs> this is, <laughs> no. <laughs> there's, there's good news in this book, okay? Despite the title, there's good news. You, you can, in fact, lose weight. 
But you have to do, I think, this one thing first, particularly for a woman that finds herself being the caretaker mm-hmm. and buying the food and doing the things and stressed out and overworked and maybe somewhere along the spectrum of, of going into menopause. And that is your mindset. Can you talk about the mindset yeah. that a woman needs, particularly a woman, but I think both of us, but that a woman would need going into this, I'm going to call it a battle for, for right now, but <laughs> what is what, what kind of mindset does she need? I've talked about having a priority mindset and it's a shift where you become your own priority. And I've used those words together because quite often you've got other priorities in your life, your family, your parents, your relationship, your career. You've got to turn that around that you become your own priority. And that's really important. Until that truly happens, you aren't going to be able to make the changes that you need to create a healthier lifestyle, to lose weight, to get more energy, whatever it is. Because, and and you'll relate to this, changing your diet, doing more exercise, improving your sleep, reducing stress, whatever it is that you need to do. It takes effort. It takes work. You're having to flip out of your normal routine and make changes. And that's hard. And unless you're really, truly committed to making yourself that priority and your health and your goals, it's not going to happen. And one of the things that to, to try and, you know, help people understand what that really means, because it can be easy to say, yep, that's my priority. Well, then you don't follow through. And you've got to look, maybe listen to your language when you I shouldn't have eaten that or I should work out tonight, but you're not doing it. And if you're using language like that, then that's a sign that you're not actually really prioritizing it. You're just paying lip service to the fact that that's something that you should do, but it's not high, up, high enough on your to-do list right now for you to make consistent action and consistent changes. And we can all do this when we want to. You know, I ask people to maybe think back to a time in their lives where they've made a really strong decision about something that you've really wanted. You know, it could have been getting married or starting a family, buying a house, getting a promotion at work. There'll be everyone will be able to relate to something that they didn't just decide, oh, I'd like to do that. You think, no, I am going to do that. And it becomes really certain and really absolute. You don't even have to think about it too much. You just make this decision and you cross the line and then you are going to make sure that happens. You know, you're not going to let anything stand in your way until you've done that thing that you want to do. And that has to be the same to make these changes for your life. And if you have had a problem with losing weight, because you can't stick to a diet, then you have to be committed to understanding what your blockers have been in the past and learning how to dismantle those and create the new habits that are going to last you a lifetime. And that's why you need that priority mindset, because without that, the kids will want something, your parents will want you to do something, your boss will want you to drop everything, you'll have housework to do. And we can make ourselves busy or with, because we don't want to address those things for ourselves, or we can let other people steal our time from us. When you become a priority, you then start to be able to say, no, me first, you just hang on a minute, I'll get around to you later. And that's the difference. Yeah. You know, there's two really big things that I think roll into this that I think are important. Okay. And one is that you're not asking them to do more. Mm-hmm. Yes. Ask them to decide they are the priority and they're going to do this first. Yeah. And do that later. Absolutely. And, and the reality, I think most of us sit there and say is, well, okay, if I don't answer these emails this morning before I go into the office, is anybody going to die? <laughs> you know, 
Oh, absolutely not. Now, does it make my little morning hours where I can sit there and have some tea and and maybe biscuits and hang out and talk to the people at the washroom, Mm -hmm. you know, by the, you know, by the break room? Does now have more time to do that because I'm not answering emails and maybe the answer is yes, but does that serve you better than getting this workout in or preparing your lunch so you have a healthy lunch available to you? Absolutely. Function of prioritizing and it's not about putting something new in, it's about pushing bad stuff out because it's not priority and it's not really serving you. That's absolutely right. So I think that's a big part of this priority mindset. And then another thing you said, um, when you when you put yourself first, I know sometimes that can feel kind of selfish. Mm-hmm. Who am I to put myself first? And, you know, you can go into the airline thing and put your mask on things, but that, yeah. that just goes in one ear and out the other. But the reality is this. If you love someone and you needed to do something for them, mm-hmm. like you needed to carry your spouse to the airport, and I know the traffic to Heathrow is like insane. Yeah. So you're in the airport by five o'clock in the morning. Where are you at five o'clock in the morning? You're mm-hmm. at departures, dropping off your significant other. If your kids really need to be somewhere, like go to school or do this, and they need to be there at a certain time, we have no problem dropping everything mm-hmm. to make that happen. So the then question comes up is, why wouldn't we do that for ourselves? Why wouldn't we schedule a workout and say, this is like a meeting with my boss. I'm not going to diss my boss and skip it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to do the work because I'm my boss. My boss said, be here at this time. And I love myself enough to make that happen. It's absolutely key. And that, that they are the conversations that you have to be having with yourself. And that's how you're going to have to be figuring out how to just move your time around so that you can fit yourself in and make that happen. Yeah. The thing you have a dozen priorities and you're trying to juggle, or as you said in the book, spin the plates. Mm-hmm. But, but the reality is you only have one priority and that's the plate you're dealing with right now. Yeah. So if the plate means that it's focusing on you getting healthy and fit, because guess what? Your kids are still going to need you 20 years from now. Yeah, that's it. They're still going to need you 20 years from now. And if you're not taking care of yourself now, what kind of shape are you going to be in then to do it then? So, you know, there's just a lot in that of having that priority mindset. A, one, you, A. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This moment, eat the right thing. Or in this moment, you know, do the workout, get it done. Because you know the payoff is worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is. It's making it simple, isn't it? And keeping that focus. And I like the way you said that in this moment, just that one thing. We sometimes have so much baggage. We wrangle with ourselves and we procrastinate. We can just make those decisions quite easy and then simplify it. Do it. Get on with the rest of your day. Go back to the rest of your to-do list. Yeah. Good. Now, you mentioned earlier processed food or ultra processed. Mm. I believe if my great grandmother walked into a grocery store right now, she'd be like, where's the food? (laughs) (laughs) You know, this is not a food market. This is something else. Why is processed food such a problem? Okay. Well, there's a couple of reasons. And one of them is the fact that actually it's got relative to natural and unprocessed food, it's got a lot less nutrition. So the processing methods that they use to to create these foods strip out a lot of the the nutrition. They often, not always, but quite often, um, ultra-processed foods can be low in protein. So you've got something that's low in protein and low in nutrition. And what we're starting to understand now is your body doesn't just need calories. It also needs certain amounts of nutrients. And if you're not getting enough nutrients for your body, then it craves more. 
So I think we've lost a little bit of the connection with food and what it does because food is just the building blocks of our body. You know, we're constantly regenerating our skin, our organs, our skeletons. There's thousands, millions of functions going on all the time and we need food and the nutrients that we get from food to do all that. So that we're now starting to understand that as we get smaller amounts of smaller concentrations of nutrition in these ultra-processed foods, which are relatively high in calories, our bodies are actually sending a signal, hey, we've not had enough, eat more, eat more. So we're trying to eat more of these foods that are actually high in calories to try and get the nutrients because they're so scarce. So that's one of the theories of why we, we crave and we overeat these ultra-processed foods. The other thing, is that they are deliberately created their recipes to be really highly palatable and highly pleasurable. I mean, I there's a there's you know I, you can't deny that a slice of cheesecake or a donut or a, a fast food burger tastes amazing. You know, we all recognise that the appeal of those things. You, they're they're designed to be very intense in terms of the flavour and they give us like a big sort of pleasure hit in our brain. And that again makes us think, oh, that's amazing. I want more. I want a bigger portion. I want it tomorrow. So it does actually, though, you know, these taste sensations are a lot higher and a lot more intense than natural foods are. And therefore we want more. The other thing as well is that with, you know, if your diet's heavy in ultra processed foods, you're going to have a higher percentage of calories from carbohydrates. And that's the, the sort of food component that spikes your blood sugar. That in itself causes cravings, has you spending more time in fat storage mode. So it's not just calories that influence whether you're overweight or not. It's actually the, the carbohydrates because of the effect that they have on your hormones. So you've got this whole thing going on where there's not enough nutrition, you're creating cravings, and it really is very difficult then to control the amount of calories that you eat. That's the problem. Your blood sugar becomes really unstable and you're just constantly craving more and more and you're just locked in this overeating cycle. Yeah, I see it all the time, you know, and, and mm. it's funny because, you know, you'll have this group that'll say, well, no, you've got to you've got to eat low carb and, and this and that. And then before too long, well, the food companies figure it out. OK, we need keto friendly snacks. <laughs> yeah. And it's still processed, it's still refined stuff, and, and maybe it doesn't have sugar, but and maybe not as much mm-hmm. of the carbs, but it doesn't have any protein either. So it's, it's devoid of anything but calories. Anything useful. Mm. Yeah. And then over here, they're like, no, you need to be vegan, but we're going to make vegan hamburgers and vegan hot dogs and vegan andouille sausage. And you're like, okay, the food companies know that this is a marketing ploy and they know mm-hmm. that with you. And I had a guy on a, a long time ago, but it, it, the book stands out because the cover was so special. It was called The Dorito Effect. And literally these food companies have food scientists that their sole job is to make you eat more. Yeah. 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 They're like, how do we make this so hyper palatable that nobody's going to want anything else but this? And they're going to eat actually eat it so fast, they won't actually taste it after the first bite. And I know I've been there. I've eaten mm-hmm. a whole a whole sleeve of Pringles. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, it's our potato chips, as we call them in the United States. Like just that. And it's like, what did I just do? And I hardly remember just eating them. Yeah. And and so it, it does draw us in. And so the more you can rely on whole food, okay. And the way I kind of say this is if it comes in a bag, box, jar, or can, be leery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, you said in the book, look at the ingredients and, and see what's in this. 
there are some exceptions. You know, they'll freeze berries, they'll freeze vegetables, yeah. mm-hmm. they'll pan meat. They're, so there are exceptions to this. But if it's stable and can sit on a shelf and you see the expiry date for this thing is is three years away, yeah. you got to ask questions because most of the food that's around the exterior of a grocery store in the United States, and I think it's the same there. Very much the same in the UK. Very and walk through and it's kind of yeah. the same. As long as you stay to the outside, you're you're mostly into the whole food stuff. It doesn't sit long. It has to be refrigerated. That's why it's yeah. all refrigerated around the outside of uh, the store because most of that stuff has to be refrigerated or it'll go bad pretty quickly. Now, in the book, you went through two things. You went through weight loss by counting calories, which I think is exceptionally hard. Yeah. Unless you're someone who, like I came from an accounting background. So keeping data, doing data, I can do that. My first accounting, when I was keeping up with my own finances, I was like General Motors. <laughs> And, and I actually enjoyed doing that because I'm an accountant. And when I first started uh, trying to count calories, it was like, okay, exciting. I was I had the scales and I, the, the, I'm measuring everything. But I just know that that's not sustainable. And it's not the way that I think we were intended to eat generally hmm. because great-grandparents didn't even know what a calorie was and didn't have scale. And somehow or another, they managed to not yeah. <laughs> go away. Yeah. <laughs> Processed food may have had may have had a little bit to do with that, but <laughs> beyond that, yeah. If you want to lose weight without counting calories, what's a good approach for someone to take to do that? Okay. Well, I think the first thing to do is really go back to eating natural, unprocessed food. You know, that's the biggest thing. And protein is really important. We tend to undereat protein. And particularly as we get older, and this goes for men and women, we do need to eat more protein. So we, there's, you know, again, better understanding that the needs that of older adults have, you know, and I'm talking about people really in the sort of 50 plus need to eat more protein. And protein is really important anyway, because it helps to stabilize your appetite. And if you're going from eating a diet mainly based on ultra processed foods, the first things that you want to do is try and keep yourself full and eliminate cravings. And the best way to do that is by having a diet that's got, uh, having meals that have protein at each one, plenty of veg, don't be frightened of fat. And the thing you do want to watch out for is having fewer empty carbs on your plate. So that's your bread, your pasta, your rice, your noodles, your potatoes. They're the things that have got no nutrition. They're the things that are going to spike your, your blood sugar. You know, if you had a steak and a salad with olive oil and maybe a little bit of Parmesan cheese, you know, you tell me that you're hungry after that meal because you are not, you're not going to be, yeah? That's ticking so many boxes, so packed of nutrition, slow to digest, that'll keep you going for hours. So this is really what where you want to, when you, where you want to start with. And then the second step is to really try and get that down to just eating three meals a day. So you want to be thinking that you leave maybe four or at five hours in between meals. And this, again, if the main meals that you have are filling and satisfying and you're enjoying them, you should find it fairly easy then to get to that four or five hours before your next meal. And by leaving yourself a gap, you're help, you're allowing your body to digest the last meal properly. You're giving yourself more chance to dip into your fat stores. You know, if we're constantly snacking and eating food all of the time, then it's like having your phone plugged into the, your charger. You know, you're never digging into the battery. Our body fat is like a, an energy battery. And we're just topping up and giving our body like a, a very easy to, to use energy store and never touching the fat. And that's what we want to get rid of. So if you can have good, decent meals, leave for an, four to five hours between each one, then really you should be working towards eliminating snacks. 
And when I coach her, sort of coach clients, just making those changes can be enough for them to start losing weight. That's all it takes. And sometimes they can't believe how easy it is. You know, sometimes the meals that they're already making are 80% there. You know, usually it's just put a bit more protein on your plate, get, get rid of a few of those potatoes and they can do it, you know. So for others, that's not enough and go down to that, but they want to lose weight and it's not moving. So the next stage, the next level to go to, if that's not working, is to just pay attention to your portion sizes. And you want to make sure or focus on maybe just dropping the fat slightly on whatever you're eating, making those, those the pasta, the rice, the potato component smaller or eliminating it altogether, to, you know, for, for a while and see how that works. And then packing it out with plenty of veg so it's, it's filling. And then the next level to go to, if that's still not working, but it should be, is to start to pay attention to your appetite. And the golden rule is you eat when you're hungry, you stop when you're full. And you mentioned before, you know, we didn't need to count calories once upon a time because we were more in tune with our natural appetites. We knew when we needed something, we knew when we'd had enough. And a lot of the ultra processed foods that we have has, has led us to really not being tuned into our natural hunger signals and our sort of fullness signals. So there's a re-education process that you get from eating natural foods and giving yourself you know, not snacking and giving yourself plenty of time in between. You're allowing your appetite to reset. Yeah. And it's kind of one of the special things that I really, really like about the human body is that if we give it what it needs, it gives us what we need, you know, communicate good things through food, through movement, through reduced stress, through sleep. And our body realizes, hey, we're in a pretty good place. We're pretty safe. I don't have to really be stressed all the time. I don't mm-hmm. have yeah, you know, fire cell looking for food all the time because it's plentiful and I'm getting good nutrition. It kind of falls in line. Your hormones somewhat more fall in line and everything just gets easier. Absolutely. One of the things she said in the book, and I really can't leave this interview without kind of putting this in there, was you said that we should be paying more attention to how we feel and look than what we weigh. Yeah. And I think that's just really a, a cool thing because too often we're like using the scale as this metric of worth Yes, when food and movement and all these other things that we're doing in our lives are really meant to just be energies and buildups and just part of putting together a platform for you to be better. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lovely opportunity for men and women at this age to really start to reconnect with themselves and how they feel. And, you know, when our kids are growing up, we can find that we've got a little bit more time to ourselves and we can sort of take this journey. And the conversations often start about with weight because that's what people are looking for. But once you sort of start to make these changes, you realize that you've got more energy or you're sleeping better or you're not bloated anymore. And once people latch onto these things, they suddenly realize they're not bothered about weight anymore because the game changer for anyone who's tired and struggling is more energy, not smaller waste. And once she start, when she sort of maybe go on this weight loss journey, doesn't even take long. That's the amazing thing. When you change your diet, you can have a benefit that day. You know, it started for me when I, I can't remember why, but for some reason I used to have a, a sandwich for my lunch every day. And for some reason I didn't have it. I think the shop where I went was closed. So all I could buy was some cottage cheese and some nuts. And every day at work at three o'clock, I could not keep my head off the desk. I just was fighting falling asleep. And this one day I had cottage cheese and nuts for my lunch. I was wide awake all afternoon. And that's how quickly the effect of food can change how you feel. And that's when people start to feel, recognize that 
they can't believe it. You know, I had a had a client and she, her and her husband went, had, had young kids, you know, it was a big change for them to go and make all the food from scratch. And a couple of weeks in, they decided to, to order a takeaway. And the next day they couldn't believe how awful they felt. They didn't have the energy to play with the kids. They just felt really below par. And they hadn't put on weight in one night, but they felt awful. And there's things like that, that the sort of the penny starts to drop and the sort of jigsaw puzzle pieces start to fit together. And you say, no, I don't want to feel like that anymore. I want to feel like this. Because when you feel great, when you've got good energy, when you're getting good sleep, your mind gets in a better place and you want to go and live your life and and do more things. You've got that capability to go and do things and your weight suddenly becomes less important to you because you're too busy doing other things. Gabrielle, I define wellness as being the healthiest, fittest, and happiest you can be. What are three strategies or tactics to get and stay well? First one I think would be, you know, and I love that. I love the healthy. I love putting those things together. And I think if you align your health and fitness goals with your happiness goals, then that's the best best way to start because they're all related. You know, I think there's far too much focus on health and fitness. There's weight loss tools or all about calories. The the combination of getting fitter, eating better, gives you the energy, gives you the drive, gives you the confidence. Then you start to, to feel happy. You can start to pursue the things that you're interested in. That's a really powerful way of connecting all of those things together. One of the other things that sort of links into that as well, actually, is the idea of learning how to eliminate useless thoughts from your mind. And food and eating can take up far too much headspace. You know, we think about what we're going to eat next. We feel guilty about eating something else. We're trying to sort of resist a craving. You know, that can all add up to thinking about food 24-7. And, you know, once you start working on putting food in its rightful place, you know, it's something there to give you energy, to make you feel good. It can actually start to free up your mind. And that's quite something, you know, when suddenly you're not constantly thinking about food anymore or fighting hunger or cravings, there's an empty space. So you can have a lot more peace in your mind. One of my clients recently was saying, I don't understand it. I just want to clean the house. I've done loads of jobs and I'm just going through everything and sorting everything out. And that's because she didn't think about food. She was suddenly being able to use that attention, free up that space to think about other things. And that's one of the, you know, that's one of a massive benefit of just changing that relationship with food gives you more mental, it gives you more capacity, gives you more headspace. And my last one is you've got to learn to love and accept yourself as you are now. When we're always critical of ourselves, when we're always in a a position where we're unhappy with how we look and always trying to change, then we just have this sort of, it just puts a cloud over the whole of your life. You know, every day you can be self-conscious or you can be hiding your stomach or worrying what people are thinking about you. It, It just takes a lot of enjoyment, a lot of pleasure out of your life. And it can be quite hard for people to let go of that self-hate because they feel if they accept themselves as they are, they're suddenly going to eat everything and (laughs) go out of control. But really, when you start to be kind to yourself, to think about doing things to yourself that make you feel better, you know, we go back to feel and being guided by how you feel, you are actually then start to create more respect for yourself. You get that freedom in your mind and you start to be able to shift your attention onto doing things that you enjoy and becoming happier, you know? So that's how that all links in. Great. Danielle, if someone wanted to learn more about you or learn more about the book, Why Women Can't Lose Weight, where would you like for me to send them? 
Well, the book's available on Amazon, so that's an easy one. If you just put the title in, into Amazon, you'll find that. Uh, if you want to find more about me and my online products and my coaching, then you've, I've got a website, which is gabriellohair.com. Nice and simple. All right. Well, you can go to 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 575, and I'll be sure to have links there to the book and to your website. So Gabrielle, thank you so much for being on 40 Plus Fitness. Thank you very much for having me. I've really enjoyed this today, Alan. Welcome back, Raz. Hey, Alan. What a great interview. My goodness. Why women over 40 can't lose weight. I mean, the headline right off the bat is very intriguing, but your discussion was very intriguing as well. Yeah. I wish you'd had a subtitle of some sort Mm -hmm. because it is an attention grabbing headline, Mm -hmm. but it leaves you in, I think, a negative thought space of, oh, well, yeah. Okay. If that were a newspaper article, you'd be like, okay, what do I expect this newspaper article to tell me? All Mm -hmm. the reasons why I'm failing at what I'm trying to do here. Mm -hmm. And she does that. Don't get me wrong. She goes through that and lets you know that, okay, that you're not alone. Mm -hmm. These are happening to women everywhere. There's case studies all the way through this of women, you know, the six reasons she's got case studies of every single one of them of women she's known or worked with or herself that have struggled with these things because Mm -hmm. they're real. They're not, they're not imaginary. We're not making these things up in our head. They are real obstacles that are are in your way. The good news is she shifts in the book, which is again Mm -hmm. why I think there should have been some form of subtitle, you know, (laughs) but that said, she didn't. But in the book, she did shift gears and go towards the way you overcome those objectives, those those obstacles. Obstacles. Yeah. Number one, though, self-neglect. I mean, that was the biggest shining light, neon fireworks reason that a lot of us who in our 40s struggle. It's self-neglect. And the word neglect really hurts because (laughs) no woman wants to neglect anybody, let alone themselves. But that's really a good word because we do prioritize everybody else over us. We've got kids that get on the bus in the morning and take care of in the evenings and dinners to cook and a house to clean and not to mention our own, you know, 40 hour a week job. It is really hard to change that mindset of looking after everybody else and actually try and take a look at what we need to do for our own health and well-being. Yeah. Well, but no, neglect is the right word. It is. You know, as much it as is. it hurts, it you know, is. It's like, okay, the, the kids the kids want Hot Pockets for dinner. And so mm-hmm. you're having Hot Pockets for dinner. Yeah. That's neglect. You know that it's not serving you. you mm-hmm. You've made the conscious decision to do it anyway. That's neglect. This is yeah. the definition of the word neglect is doing well, things to yourself or to anybody mm-hmm. without regard to them and what their needs are. That's neglect. And I've done that. I have absolutely said to my kids, I am not cooking two different meals. <laughs> and I've gone through that. But the fact of the matter is, is that I need to eat in the way that benefits my health and well-being. And they need to eat in a way that they'll eat something <laughs> before going to bed at night. So, you know, it's, it is difficult, but it is important to look at all those obstacles and then decide how to navigate around them to put yourself as a priority. Well, you know, and and even, even men struggle with some of these things. I mean, when we start mm-hmm. talking about self-neglect, for me, it was my career. It wasn't yeah. kids. It was the career. And what I needed from a lifestyle to be successful at what I was doing was mm-hmm. 16, 17, 18 hour days. Mm-hmm. You know, I was on six, seven days a week, 16, 18, at one point, 20 hour days, six days a week. 
And then I even came in on Sundays, some days, sometimes just to catch up because I was behind, you know, as much as you think, oh, how would you be behind? It was, there was so much work to do. In fact, when I left and they hired the new guy, he worked for about three months and then he quit because he said, there's just no way he could keep up with that volume. But that was my career. That was my focus. In fact, as a result, I was neglecting everything else. I was neglecting my family. I was neglecting Mm -hmm. my health. I was neglecting my fitness. Mm-hmm. Everything. And that's where I was. And it wasn't until I got a priority mindset, is the way she phrases it. But it wasn't until I had that priority, set my priority and said, no, I have to be healthy and fit. There's no other answer. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. I think that a lot of women too need to get to that point where they make that decision. You know, it's hard for us. It was hard for me to make that decision that, you know, okay, what has to give, you know, what do I need to do? Like, what can I renegotiate with my husband? What can I do for the kids? But then that take back some time for myself, you know, how to make that decision and then get creative about doing it, about finding a solution. And when the kids were young, I would wake them up from school. I would go do my workout, made sure they had breakfast and got on the bus. It's those weird moments of time. Or when they were in babies, you know, I would tuck them in bed at night. And then between 8.30 and nine o'clock, I met another lady in my subdivision for a run around the subdivision. So it's not the best time of the night to be working out, but I took the time when I could. And that's just how life goes. You know, your schedule changes, negotiate with your husband for different chores or, or whatnot, maybe even work with your job to shift hours if you could, or take a working lunch break and go to the gym on your lunch break. I mean, it's just the point of you got to put yourself first and then figure out how to make that a priority, how to get in your workout, how to get in the good meals and and things like that. Yeah. And until you're doing it, Mm -hmm. you haven't prioritized yourself. Mm -hmm. So the the thought of, well, I want this Mm -hmm. isn't enough. Your actions are your priority. I'm Mm -hmm. just going to put that out there. So if you're not doing it, Don't say this is your priority. Don't say your health and fitness is your priority because you're not doing it. Mm -hmm. You do your priority. Yeah. You you do it. You just do. And so with the way like you're talking about with kids and family and other obligations is like Mm -hmm. you're doing that stuff. Why are you doing that? Mm -hmm. It's because that's your priority. Yep. And I get it. There's times when that needs to be your priority. But if you haven't had the conversation with your significant other about the fact that you need a tag team partner, that you join mm-hmm. this relationship to be partners and that you need some help from them to get these things done, mm-hmm. then you haven't prioritized yourself. Because I'll ask, I'll ask women, like, well, how does your husband get his workouts done? Well, he just goes. Mm. <laughs> you know, and it's like, well, what does he do for self-care? It's like, well, he likes to play golf and he'll go fishing. I'm like, okay, so he just goes. Yeah, he just mm-hmm. goes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Priority. You know, and that's, that's the only thing you haven't said anything. And so you can't expect mind reading and just say, so going to set a priority, your actions have to follow through or it really wasn't a priority. It was just a nice to have. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just a matter of having that conversation with your husband or spouse or friends, your parents, anybody that could give you a hand and so that you can keep up with things and and take care of yourself. And there are all kinds of strategies that you can take, eat better, to move more, to mm-hmm. do these other things that aren't going to like blow you out of the water by adding tons and tons of hours right. onto your time. And I think that's where a lot of people get lost is like, well, I don't like doing this. And I'm like, well, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, so I've had people that I don't like batch cooking. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. then this isn't a priority for you. 
You know, if if eating out is something you have to do every night or eating Hot Pockets from a microwave <laughs> is what you have to do, mm-hmm. then that's your priority. It's not, your priority is not what you say it is. And so I, I don't mean that in a bad way, but I just really want you looking at your actions mm-hmm. and looking for those disconnects over what you want and what you do. Yeah. Because that's where the rubber hits the road and that's where you're going to make changes because you aren't going to change until it's a priority mm-hmm. and it isn't a priority until you start doing it. Mm-hmm. And so we all talk, we can talk about how we need motivation and all these other things, but the gross reality of it is motivation is not something that comes. Mm-hmm. Motivation is something that you earn. You do the action, you get the reward that motivates you. Mm-hmm. Sure. Now, there's other things you can do to put in there, you know, coaching, social uh, accountability, things like that, that can help get this all started. Mm-hmm. But you got to do the do first mm-hmm. and then the motivation will build. Yeah. You yeah. wait for the motivation. You're going to still be waiting there a year later. No. Yeah. It's sometimes it's really hard, but I think that if you can really get creative, you know, put your workouts on the calendar and just be diligent with taking the time that you need to take care of yourself. I mean, it's just putting, it's the mindset. You just need to make yourself just as big of a priority as everybody else in your life. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. Well, Raz, I'll talk to you next week. Awesome. Take care, Alan. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Next time on the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we discuss whether you're capable of changing your health and fitness. Until then, have a happy and healthy week.